Welcome to the Whale Scout Podcast, everyone. My name is Whitney Negebauer, and today we are joined by Justin Cox. We are going to be talking about Pod of Orcas saving the southern resident killer whales. And Justin, it's great to chat with you today. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. Um, before we dive into this podcast series, I wanted to have our listeners get to know you a little bit better. You have a bachelor's degree in communication from California State University in Monterey Bay and a master's degree in multimedia uh, multimedia storytelling from Northwestern University. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you came to be telling the stories of the Salish Sea? Yeah, definitely. So I, I went to CSU Monterey Bay kind of not knowing what I wanted to do and ultimately kind of realized like, oh, I think I'm better at uh, with words and writing and, and eventually majored in communications. And then after that, I wrote a couple opinion columns for a local newspaper unpaid and like found that like I just sort of very automatically loved it. It was like kind of a pure writing that I liked. And then that newspaper had a part-time job opening that I applied for and got, which was very low pay. And this is like 2008 or so. And so the the future for newspapers was like, all right, this is fun, but this is kind of a scary path to embark on. Like the economy hadn't even collapsed yet, but journalism was already super grim, newspaper journalism at least. So I applied to grad school and went to Northwestern, which was essentially the first journalism classes I ever took. But like also super heavy focus on online communications and multimedia tools and all that. So then I worked a couple jobs before eventually like local journalism jobs before transferring over to the UC Davis Wildlife Health Center, which is part of their super famous vet school. And I loved this job in California, which was it was really all the same skills that I was using in multimedia journalism, but now I was I was communicating on behalf of this these wildlife veterinarians and the a place called the One Health Institute. One of those programs was the Sea Doc Society based up on Orcas Island, small island in the Salish Sea off of Seattle and Vancouver. And they eventually had a full-time job similar to the one I was doing in California open up. And it was I'd been there once to report this kind of like online magazine story. I like sold my boss in California on me taking this like three-day trip. And so I'd worked with all of them and it was like yeah, I have to apply to this. I have to do this and um, applied. And then I got the job and my family all moved up to Little Orcas Island. And now here I am. You know, I always find it so interesting that there are often a lot of young people out there that are really interested in animals or marine biology, but there are so many pathways that can lead to working in and around you know, environmental issues or issues with animals, whether it's art or communications like like yourself. Is is that something that like as a young person that you were interested in? Yeah. And, and to echo what you just said, like I, something I love is that like when I work with scientists and wildlife veterinarians, they, they understand in a lot of cases, they either want to get better at communicating and telling the story or understand their limitations and love that someone is there to help them do that. And so I, that's super rewarding. And so, yeah, I've always loved, I mean, I grew up in Southern California and my family would go to, to camp for a lot of the summer at beaches off of like Ventura and then go up to Sequoia and always loved wildlife and nature. Like the idea that I would be living up on Orcas Island doing a podcast specifically about Southern resident killer whales is like, it's not like that was like a destination I had charted. That's like sort of just 
the journey life takes you on. But yeah, no, I feel I feel like if you move from a journalism role into like a marketing communications role, you could end up in a lot of places where you're it's it's the 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 mission is not as pure, you know, but I get to I get to basically communicate on behalf of an a, a better environment and health of these amazing wildlife species. It's like feel really lucky to basically use the skill set that I have but in this world. So let's dive into the podcast. Tell us about the podcast and how it started and um, a little bit about uh, um, the episodes. Yeah, how it started was, was I think, how a lot of things have started in the last year and a half or so, which is we hold like a six-event kind of um, series here on Orcas Island at the local movie theater called Ocean Night, which is like a night that all the people from the island come, fill the theater, have popcorn and drinks and watch. We do six separate kind of, they're not really just talks, like we'll screen movies, we'll have panels, we'll have, some of them are more like talks, but it's it's got a real fun energy to it. But coronavirus obviously sort of wiped that off the table last year. And I found myself in the, in the, in the mode of like, like, all right, I, I don't know, something about sitting down to start thinking about what that six event series was going to be as like a Zoom thing that I had to try to like carry the weight of trying to like get people excited in that same way to join us on a series of science talks on Zoom calls. It just it just didn't it didn't excite me. And I think that we were at this point in the in the pandemic where like everything was moving to that. And like we hold a annual event that we did on zoom that was super fun. But I mean, the amount of work that went into making that fun and engaging and not just a zoom call was like way more bandwidth than I would have to do with those six events kind of separate from that during the like evening time, spare time, like uh, teach yourself something new during the pandemic. I did, I made a podcast in my uh, bedroom closet about the musician Jackson Brown that that was just I just love this singer songwriter from the 70s that I'm weirdly obsessed with and I did this series and it kind of surprised me at how well it did and how immediate you could connect with an audience of like people who care about this specific thing and so I went to our science director one day sitting around a, a fire in his backyard and just said what about what about this instead of ocean night what if we go in on killer whales and like just do this in its place and we talked it out kind of mapped out what the podcast would be which i can describe again in a minute but the that's that's that was kind of how it was born and then from there it kind of took on its own life well you sort of touched on it why southern resident killer whales as the storytellers i mean you know sea doc works with all sorts of critters why southern resident killer whales yeah, I think that it's that's a really interesting question, especially because where my head is right now. Like today, I'm editing the final episode in this series. It'll go up tomorrow. Uh, today, as in when we're recording this, um, and I've thought briefly about like what would be another series, what would be another species to do. And I mean, really, you could do anything. I in the moment, I think what I knew I didn't want to do was just a series of disparate, like different different things with no like through line. I wanted to to tell a cohesive story. And Southern Resident Killer Whales are just sitting there with that. I mean, it's right there for you to go in on. And something that was really cool with with this conversation with our science director, Joe Gatos, was like 
built into the idea behind this podcast was going to be we're going to have people from other organizations in the Salish Sea on this show to talk about what they're doing because it's not just CDOC Society doing this work. CDOC Society is one of many organizations, and this is a chance to highlight the like collaborative, multifaceted, ongoing nature. And honestly, like all those are reasons, but really Southern Resident Killer Whales are both amazing and in a pretty dire circumstance. And so let's tell their story. And the reason it's a seven episode limited series with like, you could almost treat it like chapters in a book is, is that I'm not a scientist. And I feel strongly that like, there are a lot of people who deeply, deeply love Southern resident killer whales and the world is better for having those people. Um, it's, it's like essentially a very necessary part in the recovery, but it can't be the only part, and you need to – that amount of people who care, that critical mass that can kind of like uh, impact policymakers and and like basically kind of shift the the zeitgeist and the way people feel about, about saving a species that only has 75 animals left requires you to tell the story in a way that's palatable beyond those people. And so that was that was the goal was like let's let's try and make something that's like that. So for listeners out there who have not yet had the chance to listen, can you tell us about the episodes and some of the great guest speakers that you got to share? Yeah, absolutely. So the episodes, we I knew I knew going in, I wanted to do episodes about um, sound and noise, like the, the three major threats, right? Um, lack of salmon and, and food, then salmon, uh, sound and noise, and then also toxins. Like these are the three kind of like like the triple threat that's kind of really like what they're up against. Um, and then it was like, all right, but we, I don't want to do those. I don't want to just do a three episode series. Like what else can we do? And so then we had a conversation about kind of the culture and history of Southern resident killer whales and sort of the distinct languages and all of that, that I think is, I mean, I think even people who understand like generally about Southern resident killer whales are going to, it's really incredible once you go underwater and think about the differences between them and transients and then the differences just between individual pods and then the differences between individual families. It really can create a ton of empathy for, for that species. We also, I, I mentioned that CEDAW Society is part of the Terence C. Dreher Wildlife Health Center at UC Davis. And another program there is called Gorilla Doctors. So we did this episode with the director of Gorilla Doctors, which, I mean, these are southern resident killer whales can be individually identified by their by the the fins and their saddle patches, and they basically have individual. There's data on them. They can be tracked. This is also true about gorillas up in um, Uganda, Rwanda, and the Democratic Republic of Congo and the work that Gorilla Doctors is doing. So there's all these parallels um, that so it kind of allowed us to talk about some stuff that's a little more abstract and less about just their specific threats, but um, can kind of – weirdly, it's a success story that you could look at and think – in a situation like this where there's only 75 whales and and a rising population in this area and not necessarily much movement on the removal of dams and increase of salmon it's kind of it's very powerful to look at a success story like that and and kind of help help inspire hope but also see what a path forward might look like um and then the one that i'm editing today that's going to come out is linda mapes who is kind of the she's a seattle times environment reporter and has done an amazing job covering this species especially 
since the summer a couple summers ago when we had a mother carrying around a dead calf for 17 days and then watched a whale wither away and die um so that that's a chance to kind of i mean that that i'm really excited to share that episode i think if if someone was to check out pot of orcas i think you could even start with that last one because it's kind of a good overview the first episode is too but it's I don't know. I, I consider her sort of like the narrator of this this thing that's playing out in front of us. Were there any episodes or speakers that um, you interviewed that surprised you or any specific highlights that you just really want to share to pull the, the listeners in? Uh, there's the, So we talked to a man named Jason Colby who wrote a book called Orca. And his his story is that his dad was basically one of the people pulling whales out of the water in the in the time when like at the ascent of sea world and basically once we learned like oh these animals are not like we're calling they're called killer whales these are not like things to be afraid of these are things to be essentially monetized and he's a historian who also has the personal kind of story to it to tell and it's really, really, really affecting. I mean, he takes he you you have scenes in this book that he talks about in the podcast that like you're basically standing with a person who did a whale capture and he's standing at a tank looking at the same whale that he was a part of his capture and uh, contemplating all of the emotions that go into that. Because, I mean, Jason's the way Jason tells this story is is loaded with with nuance that i think is important to think about with this like if we we didn't go from thinking killer whales were just killers to be afraid of to cute things that could be trained just naturally you know like there's kind of a murky not super cozy story that goes into how that happened and a lot of the reason we love them now is is connected to that story and I don't know. I think that one with Jason Colby and then a conversation about salmon with um, Cecilia Gobin, who's a Tulalip tribal member um, and who works in this whole uh, basically works in salmon restoration. These are two people who can speak to these issues like from a personal side of things, but also from a kind of management and historical side of things. And they both they both were the kind of thing like, honestly, when I'm sitting at the editing bay, like making these episodes that I was like feeling emotions about conversations I'd already had. Um, so I, I definitely recommend those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I also really enjoyed the episode with Peter Ross, when you're talking about toxins and different chemicals that are affecting the southern resident killer whales. I think that's an issue that doesn't always get as much attention as the others. And I think we really need to be keeping that in our focus as well. I completely agree with you. And that was one that I was like, there's a little bit of like, I'll be completely honest with this. Like, I feel confident in my ability to talk about this species. It's a big part of what CDOC Society does. But as the as the communications person and not the scientist, I'm in a lot of cases, I'm asking more questions than I am like positing my opinion on things or, or my expertise. And so with the Peter Ross one about toxins, that one, like you just said, it's I think it's a little bit ignored because it's so it's a little bit more complicated and kind of hard to make immediately appealing. But he blew me away with like uh, you basically serve him up these questions about how this all works. And next thing you know, he's talking about like accumulated, like basically how if you have toxins moving up the food chain, ending up at killer whales that live at the top 
and then holding toxins in their body that are not metabolized until they're metabolizing blubber, but they are not metabolizing blubber until they don't have enough food. So then when there's not enough salmon, they are being impacted by the toxins. And so now it's like this added threat. And then also they're passing down a lot of fat when they, when they, uh, feed their babies, a calf. So a calf doesn't just start with a clean slate. If it's the first born from a mother, like years of accumulated toxins are being passed down. That's that takes you from a conversation about like contaminants and toxins to like something uh, you can you can feel that, you know, you can a human being can really relate with that. And I think that's not a stretch to make when you have conversations about southern resident killer whales. It was like a, a recurring thing like, my God, this is just so easy to identify with. I, I don't have to make myself some animal I don't understand. Like I feel this as just the person I am. Right. I think you asked a follow-up in that episode about, well, wait a minute, what about people? Are, are people passing contaminants through through milk, through nursing your young? And, you know, as a as a mother, I sort of like feel that too. And it's easy to connect um, even with something as abstract and you can't even see like contaminants. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of questions come up even after this series. What is the future of this podcast and other communication work that you have going on with CDOC? As far as, yeah, as far as the podcast specifically, I think, I think what I told myself because I like in it built into doing this instead of hosting a speaker series with six speakers was that it's not just bring six speakers to the island. It's me have six, seven conversations as well. And so like, I've like, I've like told myself, don't think specifically about that until this last one goes up and then shift into that. But so I have like, I know that it, I know that this feed exists with a subscriber base of people that that care about this topic and I think it's it's a super valuable tool much like what what you're doing with Whale Scout it's I think super valuable and so it's it's possible that this feed can be used in the future to pop up with we know that this story is going to be playing out for a while you know we have this story about southern residents about a week ago that was like kind of uniquely optimistic um and then there's going to be the stories that are sad, you know, we know this is and then there's going to be all the politics and things that play out. And I think it is a a valuable platform to have some of those conversations. But it also could be the kind of thing that we do. Like you said, we're not just doing Southern Resident Killer Whale work. It's one of we're basically working to conserve and heal the Salish Sea through science. That's what Sea Doc Society stands for Sea Doctors. And um the idea that this will just be a thread about killer whales, I'm not t- not entirely sure, but I'm excited to think about it because it also it also plays into where the world is going to go with um, COVID and whether we're gathering indoors and stuff come a year from now. Not not totally sure, but excite. I'm really excited that we've done it, and I'm excited about the the future potential of it. Yeah, that is really exciting. Is there anything that you'd like to share that we didn't get to touch on today? Um. So like I just said, like CDOC Society, this was a chance to like tell a story about Southern resident killer whales and kind of the way I think of it is like imagine it like a seven chapter book, a seven chapter audio book that's like we're trying to give you uh, this this series wasn't designed to go on forever. It's like a book you could pick up or something you could pass on to someone who might vaguely know or might be inclined to care about this subject matter or this 
ecosystem and environment, but doesn't quite know or hasn't been really activated to care. Um, we have a guy, a former board member at CDOC Society named Gary Davis, who has talked to our science director, Joe Gatos, a lot. And this is kind of permeates everything CDOC Society does, is that like in order to protect something, you first need to know what it is and then you need to connect with it. So if someone doesn't know that there's a separate species of killer whales that are population of killer whales that is down to 75, they're, they're, it's a non-starter, right? The idea of doing anything about them is it's not even on the table. Um, so that's step one is to get to know. And then if you can build a connection, which is a lot of what the, the goal of this podcast was to do was like, basically build the connection, like create a situation where someone cares. And if you care about Southern resident killer whales, I think you're going to find your way toward caring about the environment they live in because that's the entirety of what uh, their survival depends on. And now you've activated a person that, that you've connected them with this place. And now they're in a position to, to protect it. You're not just pushing things uphill all the time. You have momentum on your side. And so, CDOC Society is doing, you, you can find CDOC Society's work at cdocsociety.org. We have a newsletter there. We're a nonprofit based on Orcas Island and funding science and doing it ourselves. And then we have a education program that we're putting into fifth grade classes and schools throughout the Salish Sea as well. So all kinds of stuff going on. And share with us again, where can people listen to the podcast? So you can search any podcast app at just search pod of orcas. Um, it's also at cdocsociety.org uh, slash pod of orcas, P-O-D-O-F-O-R-C-A-S. That was probably obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And it was great to chat. Um, as always, if you like this podcast episode, please go up, like, and subscribe on YouTube. We are on video. We also are audio only on iTunes. For more about Whale Scout, visit whalescout.org. Thank you so much for listening today. And thanks so much for having me on. I love what you're doing. And um, it was really cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>